this day we're gathered in your name calling out to you your glory like fire awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth you're the this morning. All right, let's praise the Lord. You turn and shake hands with your neighbor, greet them this morning, and we will continue.
as we continue this morning. Take 
water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God wonders beyond our so much for your good singing today. Boy, what a, what a wonderful singing spirit the church has had this morning. It's just terrific. I think maybe the sun has something to do with it. Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you somewhere and find that little black friendship folder. And uh, when you find that, just put your name on there, please, and fill out the appropriate information and give it to somebody sitting near you. We'll appreciate that a lot today. Well, there's so many things happening around the church. Uh, we do have a group away at Liberty University today, uh, Ken and Rhonda, uh, and uh, all the kids, of, many of the kids in our youth group are there checking out the university. Dane and Lindsay are with them. We always like to encourage our kids to go to a Christian university if possible. Uh, sometimes if they stay here in the, our town, that's a little bit hard to do. But uh, it just adds so much to their whole college and university experience to have it in a Christian environment. And Liberty is one very exciting place. 
And when they come back, they'll be, they'll be high on liberty. I know that. Pray for them as they drive back this afternoon. Uh, we um, thank you for praying for them as they've gone. I want to thank you for our 30 pieces of silver offering. You know, we're using the funds already downstairs in the children's ministry. Uh, we had a great offering. around. It's right at $15,000 that has come in for the renovation project. We thank you for the part that you played in that. We appreciate it a lot. Also, inside your Sunday Courier, uh, we have a missionary focus, and that is Jonathan and Natalie Perry. Uh, this kid grew up in Pittsburgh, so it's nice to have one of our own. Uh, I know his father rather well, Lynn Perry. Uh, they were the pastor way out there where Chuck is from over in the, the east side of Pittsburgh. This kid is a nice kid. We had him, and we've met him. And uh, I want you to pray for him. He's, he has almost all of his money raised to go to the mission field. And that's a hard thing to do in our economic climate. So you pray for him, and you can communicate with him as well. Then one other thing, if you have a prayer request, please fill this out. The only thing that we ask of you to do when you fill this out is to fill it out completely. You know, don't leave any blanks. Just fill in the, all the information so that we can have something to follow up on. Okay? Let's stand together, please, for our offering. Our ushers will come forward at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for providing for us. You are our source of income. We don't look to our companies, our businesses, for that. We look to you, Lord. And we give you credit. Uh, you provided for our needs, and now we've come as a church family to provide for the needs of our church and our missionaries uh, around the world. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Can I ask once the offering plates pass your row, go ahead and stand with us so that we can sing the song together. Exalted, he is exalted on high, he is exalted for great is the Exalted, he is exalted, blessing and honor, glory and power unto the Lord be praised. Sing with a chorus resounding before us, Exalted, 
Your great and awesome name. 
we thank you, Father God, for giving us voices and strength to be able to get up here and sing, Lord, for each of us in the congregation to just be able to raise our voices to praise your holy and awesome name. God, you have blessed us in so many ways. You are so great and awesome. We just come before you with this offering of our voices and our musical ability, God, and just everyone here just raising their voices to praise you. You are so worthy of our praise. We thank you, God, for this morning. Bless Pastor now as he comes, Lord. May your Holy Spirit just empower him this morning to bring what you would have us learn this morning, that our hearts will be changed. We will walk from this place changed to be more like Christ and walk out into this world, this mission field that you have for us. You are so worthy, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles, please, today to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter 4. You know, every time we sing one of those big songs like that, you know, that was big, you know, that was big. Every time we do that, I kind of think about just a minute about what it's going to be like in heaven whenever there are like millions and millions of praisers singing a song like that holy cow what a time what a time that's going to be I'd like to talk to you today about handling temptation God's way last week if you were here uh, you remember we talked to you about the baptism of Jesus Um, that was the inauguration of Jesus ministry that's when he really started it Uh, when he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And uh, just to kind of bridge the gap between his baptism and his temptation, I'd like to begin reading today in actually Matthew 3, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I know when you read that passage of Scripture, you're automatically attracted to it because it has the Trinity. God's voice from heaven, this is my Son. Jesus being baptized uh, in the Jordan. And the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove upon the Lord. Uh, that's a high spiritual event. Verse number 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. For those of you who like to underline things in your Bible, I'd like you to underline by the Spirit. Because the very same Spirit that came down upon Jesus in the form of a dove which anointed him for his ministry has now propelled him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter, that's one of the names of the devil right there, the tempter, came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Whenever you read this passage of Scripture, take take that word if out out and put the word since in there. Read it this way. Since you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Satan knew very well who Jesus was. He knew that he was the Son of God. And uh, he was not questioning that fact. 
But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, and we're going to read it since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, and I hope you're noticing this as we look through this, it is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, Notice that again. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is a very significant event in the life of Christ. Uh, we had this big spiritual event uh, last week. We talked about it in Matthew chapter 3. And now the Lord is showing the disciples uh, why. He was teaching them later in his ministry to pray to him, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's showing us here now how Satan attacks people. Uh, he was anointed for his ministry and his baptism. And that was a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. It says this, you're familiar with it. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The very meaning of the word Messiah is the anointed one. And it's a fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. Uh, the poor people heard Jesus gladly. They loved to hear Jesus. And he was specifically anointed to go to the poor people because most of the world is made up of poor people. Uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is almost like a job description for Jesus. To heal the brokenhearted. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's third daughter, wrote the book, In Every Pew, sits a broken heart. And I've been in the ministry long enough to almost be able to correct her a little bit and say maybe she should have entitled it In Every Seat Sits a Broken Heart. Well, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 that's why Jesus came. Uh, he came to heal the brokenhearted. That's all of us. That's everybody to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are people that are captivated by everything today, right? They are bound by addiction and abuse. Everything that binds them up, Jesus comes, has come to set us free. To proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, uh, what a difference it is now, just like that. You know, things can change in our life. You're aware of that, I know. 
You know, one day the sun can be out and you're saying, hey, listen, life is good. And the next day you could say, I hate this life. I hate this life. It can change just like that. Remember, the cool waters of the Jordan River, now we're in the barrenness of the wilderness. Those huge crowds that were coming together with all their excitement to be baptized by John the Baptist, and now we're in solitude and silence. Then the Spirit of God came down upon Jesus like a dove. Now the Spirit, that very same Spirit, drove him out into this lonely place. It was then the voice of the Father came and said, My beloved Son, and now it's the hiss of Satan, the tempter. There he was anointed, now he's attacked. Then the water of baptism, now the fire of temptation. First the heavens are opened, and now hell is opened. That's how quickly things can change in our life. We can go to life is great, to life is terrible. The devil attacks. That's our first point. He's known as the tempter. And he appeals to the lust of the flesh. He knows exactly where to get us. So uh, Jesus' temptation, though, was more severe than anything you and I have ever experienced. Uh, he faced the devil face to face. I'm not convinced that anybody that I know, or myself included, has ever faced the devil face to face. You know, he has a lot of helpers in this world that are called demons. And I don't view myself as being that important to elicit the temptation of the devil himself. But here he came to Jesus. And the threshold of Jesus' temptation was unreachable by the devil. How hard would the devil have to push against Jesus to break him? Well, we know that he couldn't break him because the threshold of Jesus' temptation was, we don't know where that is. Unlimited, I guess. But you know, everybody in this room today has a threshold of temptation in your own life, a, a, a breaking point, a limiting point. It's described in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's read this together this morning, please. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This verse is special. It says that your temptation and my temptation are the same temptations. We have you have my temptations, I have your temptations. We're in common. Oftentimes we think, you know, you know, I have this problem. Nobody else on earth has this problem. Probably almost everybody has that problem. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you, except it's common to man. But God is faithful, and he'll not allow you to be tempted. Above that, you're able. What he, God knows your breaking point. I don't think you do, and I don't think I do. God does. He knows your break. He knows that if you get in a certain situation, how far, how much pressure it will take for you to break you, to get you to give in. Uh, he'll not allow you, notice this, to be tempted beyond what you're able. 
but with the temptation, he'll also make a way of escape. So we're all tempted. God knows your breaking point. It's probably different than mine, and mine is different than yours, but God knows it, of course. And he says, listen, when you get near the breaking point, I'll get you out of there if you listen to me. If you allow me, I'll show you the exit, the way out of that temptation that you may be able to bear it, okay? So uh, our temptation is different than Jesus. Jesus was tempted way, way, way beyond any temptation that we could ever conceive. He was fasting here for 40 days. He wasn't the only one in biblical times that fasted for 40 days. Moses did and Elijah did. In fact, uh, I was reading the account in Luke. And Luke seems to imply this, which maybe you've never thought about before, that Jesus was tempted the whole 40 days and the only temptations we have recorded for us are the final three, the grand finale. Now, if Luke is right, Jesus is out here in the wilderness and Satan is working him over the whole time. Let's just look at the first round of temptation here in verse number 3. He says this, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, Since you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, I said before that he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, the Bible says in James 2.19, You believe in God, the demons also believe and tremble. The demons all believe that Jesus is God and and so Satan knew that. And so how would Jesus respond to the temptation of the devil? Let's look at it here in the verse. Verse 4, the first part, it is written. It is written. Satan comes and says, listen, <clears throat> that's a valid temptation, isn't it? Rocks or bread. <laughs> that's an easy one. <laughs> uh, Jesus said, listen, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds at the mouth of God. You know, soul food goes a long way in a person's life. Being able to pull a verse out of your pocket and read it to the devil when he comes at you is an awesome thing. Because Satan will flee in light of the voice of God. And so... Uh, being able to find your way around in the Bible does take some time and diligence, um, but it's really well worth the effort. And I suggest that you begin in the New Testament looking at the red letters, the words of Jesus. Just read the red letters. And when you find a verse you like, write it down on a card and put it in your pocket. And when the devil comes at you, temptation comes your way, pull it out and read it. Jesus said it's written. You know, he could have easily rebuked Satan into another galaxy, but he resisted him in a way that you and I can imitate. He drew the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. How do we fight the devil? How do we fight evil in the world? This is it right there. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, 
and he'll flee from you. And the key to being able to resist the devil is to submit yourself to God. Because when you submit yourself to God, he builds you up, he makes you strong, he enables you to go up against this evil, horrific force of the devil. Now, Jesus resists the devil here, uh, but he comes back. Self-denial was going to be the epitome of our Lord's ministry. He uh, attacks us in the area of the lust of the flesh. The second round is given to us in verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, Since you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written. Now we have the devil getting to the act. Jesus said, It's written. Satan says, I can do that too. It's written. Have you ever wondered, does Satan know the Bible? I think he knows it better than any of us. And so he can throw scriptures around all over the place too. How do you think that Satan would uh, trick the church? By just uh, being Satan or by being a pretend preacher, throwing around verses? Well, here he pulls out uh, this it is written trick, and he appeals to the pride of life. He takes Jesus up onto the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, Josephus, whom we quote a lot here in the church, is that famous Jewish historian said that probably the pinnacle of the temple was about 450 foot high. Now this church is 120 foot long from that wall back there to this wall here. So what you do is you put this church on end four times and you have the pinnacle of the temple. So he takes Jesus up onto the pinnacle of the temple and he says, hey, jump off. Angels will catch you. Do something uh, spectacular. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says when the Messiah comes, he's going to come suddenly to the temple. Now, what was uh, Satan trying to create here? He was trying to make Jesus a sensational person to display his power. Now, this would be a fast track for him to the throne of David. But uh, Jesus didn't want to go to the throne. He wanted to go where? To the cross, right? Satan was trying to get him to go to the throne to keep him off of the cross. That's why. And so um, Satan barred our Lord's weapon. It's written. But he didn't use the verse properly. He left out a part of it. And the part he left out goes like this, to keep you in all your ways. And the promise of that verse that the angels would rescue him was predicated by the fact that a person had to be walking in the ways of the Lord to be rescued by him, not just creating a sensational event. Well, uh, a person can pretty much say what they want to with the Bible, you know that? And Satan was doing just that right here. Jesus came back and he said, listen, it's written again, you don't tempt the Lord your God. He warns us against demanding something spectacular from him to prove his love and concern for us. So they're going back, back and forth. They're throwing scriptures at each other. Jesus throws a scripture out to the devil. He throws one to Jesus. 
Jesus throws out another one. So they're going back and forth. The third round is given in verse number 8. Let's look at it. Again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. What a spectacular view. Um, before we had our iPads, we used to love to go and, and uh, look at National Geographic magazine and see all the gorgeous places around the world. All we have to do now is speak the word, and they're right there in front of us. Uh, the kingdoms of the world are pretty glorious. They really are. And so in some spectacular way, Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you these kingdoms if you'll just fall down and worship me. This was an appeal to the lust of the eyes. And the key word here is worship. You know, every time I read this, I, I kind of review this over in my mind. Is this a real legitimate offer that Jesus is making here? Can he actually produce the kingdoms of the world to give to Christ? Are they his to give? Well, uh, I believe so. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over the earth. He said, now this all belongs to you. You're in charge. Take care of it. Administrate it. But what happened is Adam and Eve surrendered their dominion over the earth when they sinned against God. And, and this is how it happened. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your sins have separated you from God. And so the Lord created the world, made Adam and Eve the administrator, the organizer of the world. He says, it belongs to you, take care of it. But what happened is Adam and Eve sinned and the connection between them and God was broken. The connection was broken. And Adam and Eve could no longer administrate the earth because their sin had separated them from God. They could not hear the voice of God. And so what happened is Satan stepped into the vacuum and he took control of the world and its governments. And here's just a few verses that give us an insight into that. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Notice here that Paul calls Satan the God of this age. You know, when we look at the news, it's never good. It's always bad. And it's always getting worse. Satan is the God of this age. Ephesians chapter 2 is similar. It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. That's referring to you and me before we're saved. Before we're saved, we're like in the mainstream of the world. Live, drink, and be happy because tomorrow we're going to all die. So let's go and have a good time. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. The devil is at work in the sons of disobedience, not the sons of God or the daughters of God, the sons of disobedience. Now, Jesus further elaborates on this in John 12, 31. 
Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. And I really like this. And what's he referring to? He's referring to his crucifixion. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus said, when I'm crucified on the cross, the judgment of this world is taking place. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Satan will be defeated when Jesus gets to the cross. No wonder, no wonder Satan wanted to keep Christ off the cross. Now, the good word, though, is Satan doesn't rule this world completely. God is still on his throne, and he will always be there. You and I are reading through the Bible, I hope, and in the Old Testament, you just keep seeing God on his throne, and the nations are raging against him, and the Bible says he laughs at them. He laughs. They uh, plot against him, and he laughs. But he is so chosen in his plan to allow Satan to do his thing in this world for some purpose. Uh, and so God is ruler over all in heaven. And the real good news is this, is believers are not under the rule of the devil. Believers are not under the rule of the devil. We have been freed from the power of the devil through Jesus Christ. Let me give you a verse. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us unto the kingdom of his Son. He has taken, snatched us right out of the evil kingdom, and that's why we feel so weird in this world. When this whole world is like rushing to destruction, and you and I are almost like lost sheep watching them and wondering, why don't they understand this? They can be free too. Uh, you know, before a person is saved, it's almost like Satan is is uh, pulling their strings, you know, making them move from place to place. And when they are saved, what happens is uh, God cuts the strings. I'm no longer under the rule of the devil. I am free. What a thing. What a thing. First John 4.4 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Wow, that's big. Well, this is really revealing the word worship because that's what Satan wants from you. He wants you to worship him. And uh, Jesus said, listen, that can't happen. That's not going to happen. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Satan is pulling people to worship him and God is drawing people to worship him. And uh, you and I make the decision of who we're going to worship in this world. And now, let's distill this whole story. Let's kind of summarize it, okay? What do we learn from this? First of all, it's not a sin to be tempted. And I've said this before, and I don't think I can say it enough. It's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted continually, aren't we? It's like... I mean, it's like temptation is everywhere. It's like we're wading through it, aren't we? We're walking through it. Uh, it's not a sin. Sometimes people think, oh, man, I'm tempted to do this. I'm tempted. I must be a real bad person. No, not at all. The only time temptation becomes a sin 
is when we massage it, when we roll it around and play with it. That's when it starts to grow into what we call sin. And so all of us are tempted, but only those who submit to it uh, sin. Now, how do we combat temptation? We combat temptation with the Word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. We need fresh bread, and it's always available for us. I want to encourage you, when you read your Bible, do it with a notebook, and when you find a verse, write it down and keep it. Write it on a little card. Put it in your pocket and uh, refer to it. Uh, You'll have to do that if you're going to beat the devil. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Uh, don't tempt God in your life. Don't force him into doing something that makes you spectacular. Worship the Lord only. Uh, we learn also from this section of Scripture that there is a personal devil. The devil is real. He probably won't show up on your doorstep, but he's got lots of helpers. So he'll probably send one of his helpers there. Temptation can closely follow great spiritual events. So many times we've had a great spiritual experience and boy, just, just like that, things turn and we're hit with temptation and we wonder, how could this happen? You know, I went away to the retreat or I went to the guys meeting and I've got all fired up and I've got all these new commitments I've made and all, this, all these new resolutions and it just all exploded. Sometimes that's how quickly temptation comes to us. Temptations are closely followed sometimes uh, with great, from great spiritual events. Remember, Jesus was baptized. That was a high event, and then he was tempted. And let me remind you that the most holy people in the world can be tempted. Don't ever think that one of these days if you get old enough and you grow strong enough in God that you won't be tempted. That won't happen. Temptation is with us to the end of the road. Um, and uh, the devil strikes at our weakest point, doesn't he? But the good news is that the devil can be defeated. That's the good news. And I want you to one last verse to turn over with me to Luke chapter 4, please. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Now, this is Luke's account of the temptation. And in verse 13, he says, Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Uh, did uh, Jesus run him off completely? No. He's coming back. He's coming back. And I know that many of you have whipped a lot of temptation in your life. But I want to warn you, he's coming back. He's coming back. And this is why we have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is why we have to be people of the word of God so that we can at least pull in our pocket and pull out a verse and say, it is written. I remember many years ago when I came to the church, there was a fellow, a guy in the church, married to one of the women of the church, 
and he had this addiction. It was a big addiction. And I went to his house and I, and I said, now listen, I, I, I think I can help you a little bit if you'll cooperate with me. And I wrote out that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, on a three by five card. There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. In other words, other people have this too, this addiction. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape. And so when you're tempted, I want you to put that card in your pocket right here. And when you're tempted with this addiction, I want you to pull that card out and read it. And remind yourself that God has a way of escape for you. Listen, I have news for you. The guy beat his addiction. He did. He beat his addiction. He didn't beat it by saying, oh, I got a problem. I have to live with it all the time. Uh, it's just me. I'm, I, I can't whip it. Of course you can't. But with God, you can whip anything. You know that? Because 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so we are not under the bondage the, of the devil. God has cut the strings and we are free. How long are we free? We're free at last forever. That's how long we are free. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've been wrestling with these things and thinking, oh, there's no hope for me. I'm, I can't whip this. Well, maybe you've just been trying to do it the wrong way. You know, good intentions can't do it and more discipline and more self-help, that probably won't help either. But the Word of God can help you. There is power in God's Word. It is written Man shall not live by bread alone. Maybe that's you too. Maybe you've been trying to wing it through the Christian life without becoming a person of the Bible, the Word. You haven't been assimilating it into your system and you have no strength. That's where we get our strength. It's the sword of the Spirit. That's how we fight. Go home from this service today and start studying the red letters of the New Testament. And When you find a verse that falls from the lips of Jesus that you really like, write it down. And then begin to use it. And Satan or one of his friends comes to you and says, listen, why don't you do this? You pull it out like that man did that I just told you about. And you read it. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, how applicable it is for us in our life today. I pray that you will stimulate us by your spirit to handle the temptations that come our way your way lord give us your power in jesus name we pray amen let's stand together as we sing our invitation song if you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend you just feel free to do that as we sing thank you lord for saving my soul 
Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. You may be seated just a moment. We have a video we want to show. VBS in one word, quiet. Audacious, which means awesome! Energetic. If I would have to explain VBS and what it means to me, it would be glue sticks. Eye-opening. Fabulous. Fun! Love. If I could describe BBS in one word. Salvation. God-driven. Apologetics. Life-changing. It would be inspirational. If I could describe BBS in one word. A blessing. Outreach. Opportunity. It's not quiet, <laughs> but we are having vacation Bible school at the end of June. It's June the 24th through the 28th, and we're building our team. We'd love you to be part of it. It's from 930 in the morning till noon, and we are learning about the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 610. So I'll be at the table in the back. Come and talk to me. Thanks. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. Boy, I saw some people signing up back there after the first service there. One guy, he said, I'm going to be off this summer. I'm getting an operation. And so he and his wife said, listen, we're going, to, we're going to come up to church. I'm not working this summer because of my physical condition. We're going to serve in vacation Bible school. Kelly just knows the job that you need, okay? Let's stand together, please. Turn around and shake hands with a few friends. God bless you. You're dismissed. I want